Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapters 19 through 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Jesus said that they will know that you are Christians by your You know that. I know that. And the Bible says that in the last days, love will decrease. People won't be loving each other. Jesus said that's a sign of the last days. But when he is king, you love much. Because Jesus is love. Because God is love. Now notice what happened. So he said, confer. Read the telegraph, if you will. Confer, consider, and speak up. Chapter 20, verse 1. So all the children of Israel came out from, remember I told you, Dan to Beersheba means what? North to south, as well as far from the land of Gilead. And the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mitzvah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen, or foot soldiers, who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mitzvah. And then the children of Israel said, tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? Stop right there. I want you to notice something. This is very, very important. This is the first time the people are united. You'll find that in the book of Judges. The first time that the people are united and the reason they unite is because of the bloody butcher of a concubine. Now, I point that out to you because I see a correlation to the days we live in. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, four things I want to point out quickly. Number one, every man was sinning and doing what was right in their own eyes. And suddenly there's a tragedy and a terrible act of terrorism, if you will. And it got their attention. It got the attention of the whole nation. Secondly, notice this bloody act forced the people to look at their own spiritual condition. And they said in verse 3, how did this wicked deed happen? Number three. Notice it mobilized them to action. And fourthly, this act of terrorism brought the nation to unify. Does that sound familiar in recent history? September 11th? Oh, you might remember. We were a nation that was doing right, and we still are largely, doing right in our own eyes. And suddenly... Something shocked the nation, grabs our attention. The churches are filled up with people, and people want to pray. Oh, you remember the big revival that lasted all of a month? You remember? 
And we mobilized our troops and the troops of the world into action and the nations united again. Interesting. Now, in verses four through seven, we're not going to take the time to read them. Let me tell you, the Levite rehearses the story of what happened. And then he says in verse eight, look at verse eight. Then he says, so all the people arose as one man saying, none of us will go to his tent, nor, or I'm sorry, look at verse seven. Uh, notice what he says. Look, all of you who are children of Israel give advice and counsel here and now. So in other words, he rehearses the story and then he says, what we're going to do. So all the people in verse eight arose as one man saying, none of us will go to his tent, nor will any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah or Benjamin or the Benjamites. We will go up against it by lot. We will take 10 men out of every hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel and a hundred out of every thousand and a thousand out, out of every 10,000. You notice they've got this involuntary draft thing, 10% of the men of Israel to make provisions for the people that when they come to Gibeah and Benjamin, they must pay all, repay all of the vileness that they have done in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. Then the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribes of Benjamin saying, what is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now, therefore, deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the Taliban uh, would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel, and release Osama. That's in my Bible. Instead, the Taliban, children of Israel, Benjamin, pardon me, gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. So the tribes of Israel gathered together against Gibeah or Benjamin, and they sent men throughout all the land and said, deliver up those worthless men that we may put them to death. But instead of the Benjamites agreeing that the crime was wrong and that the men should be killed, they defended them and prepared to fight. Point number four, when Jesus isn't king, men won't admit their failures. Now that's true. Proverbs 28, 13, this is all I'll say about that. He that covers his sin shall not prosper. Man, Jesus is not king over your heart. You won't even say I'm wrong. You won't even say I blew it. And so what you blew it? We serve a God who is good with people who blew it. That's what he does, and that's what he does best. But you got to admit, when Jesus is king of your heart, you got to say, I failed. And I'm wrong. In verses 15 through 25, if you're taking notes, we're not going to read that. But I'll tell you what it says. As the battle begins to draw near, the Benjamites have an army of 26,000. Israel's army is 400,000. We just read that. Verses 21 through 22, the first day of the battle, Israel loses 22,000, while Benjamin doesn't lose any. Verse 24, the second day of the battle, the Israelite loses another 18,000, while Benjamin, they don't lose any. An amazing upset for Benjamin. Now keep in mind, the tribe of Benjamin has 700 men who are very skilled with a slingshot. And these guys who are very 
skilled with a slingshot. That's kind of hard to say. Um, skilled with a slingshot, they're like sharpshooters and long-range artillery. So they could attack an army before the army could even get close to the city. Notice in chapter 20, verse 26, then all the children of Israel, that is all the people, went up and they came to the house of God. Notice this, circle it, they wept, they sat there before the Lord and circle it, fasted that day until evening, and they offered burnt offerings, circle that, and peace offerings, circle that, before the Lord. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? So shall I cease. And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hands. Now it's interesting because the first battle and the second battle, notice they didn't pray. They really didn't seek the Lord. But in this last and third battle, they asked God, they wept, they fasted, they offered burnt offerings, which speaks of repentance. So Benjamin, they're the bad guys. They did the bad thing. Israel is the good guys. And yet Benjamin defeats Israel and and, and kills 40,000 of their men. A tenth, by the way, of their men. Now, that's pretty fascinating. The bad guys seem to be winning. But what happened was the good guys, Israel, they didn't really cry out to God. As a matter of fact, when you read the story in your own time, you'll find that they were telling God what they wanted to do. And God said, fine, go ahead and do it. Isn't that the way it works? Okay, fine, tell God what you want. You tell them what you think is right, and you see what happens to your plans. But when you say, God, I'm wrong, God, I'm fasting, God, I'm praying, God, I confess, God, I I cry out to you, I need your help, I can't do this, I can't win the battle without you, God, what happens? God gives them the victory. And they stood before Phinehas, we just read it, who was the grandson of Aaron, by the way, the high priest. Notice in verse 29 through verse 45. We're not going to read that because I'm determined to make my time because I'm not going to buy you lunch. (laughs) But let me tell you what happened. On the third day of the battle, the Israeli army pretended to be defeated and they started running. And the Benjamites were in hot pursuit. And when they get a mile from the city, 10,000 Israeli warriors take the town of Gibeah and they burn it to the ground. And while they're chasing the Israeli army, the Benjamites turn and they look back and they say, "Uh uh-oh, our city's on fire and it's going up in smoke. And the men of Benjamin find themselves trapped between the armies of Israel, which we pick up in verse 46. A total of 25,000 Benjamites were killed. So all in verse 46 who fell of Benjamin that day were 25,000 who drew the sword. All these were men of valor. But 600, very important, 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimnon. And they stayed in the rock of Rimnon for four months. And the men of Israel, they turned their back against the children of Benjamin, and they struck them down with the edge of the sword. From every city, men and beasts and all who were found, they also set fire to all the cities 
they came to. So what we have here is 600 men of Benjamin fled to the rock of Rimnon for four months. Very important. Chapter 21 in verse 1. Now the men of Israel had sworn an oath at mitzvah saying, none of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife. And then the people came to the house of God and remained there before God till evening. They lifted up their voices and they wept bitterly and they said, oh, Lord, God of Israel, why has this come to pass in Israel that today there shall be one tribe missing in Israel? Now, stop right there. Back when Israel, listen, Back when Israel heard about the crime against the, the concubine, they gathered at Mitzvah and they took a vow and they said, none of us are going to give our wives, our daughters to the Benjamites. And therefore, if they can't procreate, the nation will fall off. They will be no more. But then did you notice this? They changed their mind. Folks are fickle. Verse 3, they change their mind and they say, why, O Lord, has this come about in Israel that a tribe should be missing, obliterated, and wiped out? Now, did you notice that they are blaming God for their stupid, impetuous decision? If God didn't destroy, didn't say destroy Benjamin in the first place, they did this in their in the in their own heat of anger toward Benjamin. And now they blame God for their problem. And sound familiar? And that's what we do. We start to blame God for our stupid decisions. We make plans. We make decisions. We get involved in sin. We get rebellious. We do things in the flesh. And then we say, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And God is saying, hello, I'm not allowing this. I didn't have anything to do with it. This is the product of your own life. I'm amazed at how God gets blamed for everything bad. If it happens bad, people go, even like earthquakes, floods, tornadoes. And they have to say it here, tornadoes, tornadoes, <laughs> tornadoes. <laughs> and they say, oh, that's an act of God. It's written in your insurance policy. That's an act of God. Well, wait a minute. Why has all the bad stuff got to be God? You know, all the bad stuff is God. And so they're saying, God, why have you done this? Point number five, when Jesus isn't king, your anger will get you in trouble. Proverbs 19, 19. I love this in the New Living Translation. It says, short-tempered people must pay their own penalty. If you rescue them once, you will have to do it again. I like that. James chapter 1, verse 19. So then, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce what saints, the righteousness of God. So now the battle is over. They have a change of heart. Notice in verse 4, and so it was on the next morning. The people rose up early, and they built an altar there. 
And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. The children of Israel said, who is there among all the tribes of Israel who did not come up with the assembly to the Lord? For they had made a great oath concerning anyone who had not come up to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, he shall surely be put to death. And the children of Israel grieved for Benjamin, their brother. This chapter is wacky. It's just crazy. So the children of Israel grieved for their brother, Benjamin, and they said, one tribe is cut off from Israel today. What shall we do for wise for those who remain, seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our daughters as wives? And so, notice in verse 8, they said, what one is there from among the tribes of Israel who who did not come up to mitzvah to the Lord? And in fact, no one had come to the camp from Israel. Jabesh Gilead, that's a town, to the assembly. For when the people counted, indeed, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead was there. And so the congregation sent out their 12,000 of the most valiant men and commanded them, saying, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword, including the women and the children. And this is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has known who has known a man intimately. So they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young virgins who had not known a man intimately. And they brought them to the camp of Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. And so they offer worship to the Lord, but they fail to wait on the Lord. And they immediately launch their own plan. And they said, who was it that didn't come to battle with us at Mitzvah? And they realized it was Jabesh Gilead who was not there. And so they sent out 12,000 of their warriors to kill the men of Jabesh Gilead so they could steal the virgin daughters of, for Benjamin. Real godly people here. And they go and they destroy everyone except, did you notice, 400 young virgins. And they brought them to the camp of Shiloh, verse 13. Then the whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin who were at the rock of Rimnam and announced peace to them. And so Benjamin came back at that time and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead. And yet they had not found enough for them. You see, they found 400. Remember, there are 600 men hiding. They didn't find enough. And the people grieved for Benjamin because the Lord had made a void in the tribes of Israel. I told you this is wacky. It gets wackier. Is that a word? (laughs) Then the elders of the congregation said, what shall we do for the wives of those who remain since the women of Benjamin have been destroyed? And they said, there must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin that a tribe may not be destroyed from Israel. However, we cannot give them our wives from our daughters for the children of Israel have sworn an oath saying, cursed be the one who gives a wife to Benjamin. And then they said, in fact, there's a yearly feast of the Lord. And here's, here's their plan. Here's their plan. In fact, there's a yearly feast of the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south of Lebanon. Therefore, they instructed the children of Benjamin, saying, Go lie and wait in the vineyards and watch. And when the daughters of Shiloh come out to perform their dances, then come out from the vineyards and every man catch a wife for himself from the daughters of Shiloh. Then go to the land of Benjamin. And then it shall be when their fathers or their brothers come to us to complain that we'll say to them, Be kind to them for our sakes, because we did not take a wife for any of them in war, for it is not as though you have given the women 
to them at this time, making yourselves guilty of your oath. Now, 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 now look, you, you got you to gotta get this here. This hurts my head. So they find the 400 virgins. There's 600 men. So they're short 200. The elders said, well, we can't give Benjamin our daughters because we made an oath. Now, this is amazing because they're killing people, destroying families, tribes, wiping out cities. But they made a promise. And they, and, and they can't give the daughters to Benjamin. And so they come up with a, a plan. There's a feast in Shiloh each year. So they said to the 200 single guys, go hide in the vineyards. And while the single ladies are coming out dancing, catch a wife. <laughs> And when their fathers complain, we'll say, hey, lighten up. You didn't break your oath. You didn't give them. They got taken. Therefore, you won't be cursed. You're not breaking your oath. This is crazy. Now, now you got to be getting the scene here. 200 guys are, are whining in, in the vineyards because they don't have wives. And these ladies are dancing on their way to Shiloh. I, I just see them doing the electric slide. I don't know. They're like, you know, come on, come on. I mean, this is a whole bunch of ladies coming out. <laughs> these guys, they jump out of the vineyards and they snatch them and they take them for a wife. Now, now fellas, this is not the way to get a date, okay? This is not the way to get a wife. Remember last week we talked about getting broccoli? Remember, don't be hanging out at the broccoli counter trying to find your wife. Or in the vineyards. I mean, this is craziness. But then notice in verse 23 through 25, and the children of Benjamin, if you're there, say amen. And the children of Benjamin did so. They took enough wives for their number from those who did the electric slide, whom they caught. I, I just got singles.com written right on the side of my notes here, <laughs> dating service. So they went and they returned to their inheritance and they rebuilt the cities and they dwelt in them. And so the children of Israel departed from there at that time. Every man to his tribe and family. They went out from there, every man to his inheritance. In verse 25, would you read it with me? In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Before you shut your Bibles, they catch the ladies and they live, if you will, I think, happily ever after. And in those days, there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. You know, there's something missing from chapter 21. What's that? God. God is not directing any of these crazy ideas. These are human solutions to human problems, but God is not directing them. Point number six, our last point, when Jesus is king, you will seek his direction. When he is king. You see, when Jesus is king in your life, he's sitting on the throne of your heart and directing your life, and you'll seek his direction. And then your life will be filled with peace and blessings. No confusion, no chaos. These people are confused and chaotic and battered and bruised and bloodied because they failed to allow the king to rule over their hearts. And I am so thankful that we know the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And have you invited him to rule over your heart? And I ask you, is he ruling over your heart tonight? The king of kings to rule over us and we find him, we know him we know him from the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. 
The Bible tells us about this king of kings to rule over our hearts. He wants to sit on the throne of your heart. You might remember this from a a track from the Four Spiritual Laws with Dr. Bill Bright. You remember this? And in this track, you can see that there are two circles representing two different lives. In each circle, there's a throne. One circle has self on the throne, and that life is filled with chaos and confusion. You see that? And Christ is outside of their life. And then the other circle has Jesus on the throne, and that life is filled with order and peace. And Jesus is on the inside of their life, directing your life. And so, two people, two different lives. Who are you? Which one are you? Who's on the throne of your life? Is Jesus on the throne of your life? Are you on the throne of your life? I think it's a really simple illustration, but poignant and powerful and certainly important for us to know and to realize and to say, God, who's on the throne of my life tonight? And listen, listen close. Who is on the throne of your heart? Is Jesus there? Are you there? And if you're there, then say, Lord, I'm going to abdicate the throne. I'm going to get off the throne of my own life, and God, I'm going to invite you to get on the throne of my heart, to lead and direct my life. The problem with this nation was that they never really sought the Lord to say, God, direct my life. God, do whatever you want to do in this nation. They were doing what was right in their own eyes. And they weren't allowing God to direct their lives. And if you want to be blessed and prosperous, as I said in the beginning of this message, you say, God, I'm going to live for you. And, and, and no matter what, no matter who's going to live for you, no matter what I've done wrong, today I'm going to repent of it, and I'm going to start living for you tomorrow. And if you do that and you say that, God will work in your life. And all of a sudden, you'll find he's leading you and guiding you and directing your life. That's what he wants to do in all of us. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.